the year. This is the year of getting it together and doing what you do best, hustling, taking care of business and taking care of your community. Join us for JMT Media's podcast, where we interview everyone from the community to small businesses to elected officials who are changing policy that matters for our community. Jacqueline Tacarante from JMT Media, and welcome to season two, episode three of our podcast. We have an amazing, amazing guest, and y'all, she is literally from Texas, New York, Colorado. She's been traveling the U.S., doing her thing, and she has an amazing, amazing business. Um, and I had the pleasure of connecting with my dear friend, Miss Ellen Danick. Are you there? Hi, Jacqueline. I'm here and I'm thrilled to be here. I am so pumped that you are here, Ellen. Um, First off, what time zone are you in? Because it is 10 o'clock our time. So it's what, seven o'clock your time? Not quite eight o'clock. It's not quite that brutal, but yes, it's early. (laughs) Well, I am so glad that we are able to chat. And so I want to give people a little bit of background about Tally Mae's Caramels, um, Hell on Wheels, and I love it because I have a box here. And so for those of you that are tuning in, you can see this and you'll hear this, and we're going to drop all the links down below. Um, So Ellen, talk a bit about brand first because I just, I'm loving everything about it. Oh, thank you. So uh, Helly Mays as a brand is all about big flavors, retro caramels, and being hell on wheels. I started it when I couldn't find the really flavorful, creamy caramels I craved. Even when salted caramel everything hit and you could get like a salted caramel milkshake at Arby's, I couldn't find what I craved. And it's the classic entrepreneur story. I was working in tech at the time and I decided to make the leap and uh, test this as a business because it started as a hobby. And now we're 10 years later and Helly Mays Caramels is what I do. I I love it. So I'm going to taste test the caramels in a moment because I did get a box, y'all, and I pre-opened it, but I haven't even had one. Um, but what I find so fascinating is your journey into this entrepreneur entrepreneurial world. So can you talk about from Texas to New York, because I find it fascinating that I'm talking to another person that has had um, a similar track, but different uh, industry. Yeah, absolutely. So like you, I grew up in Texas. Um, Instead of San Antonio, I was in Houston and I went to college there. And then I worked for the government after college. I was a demographer, which basically means I did population statistics. And while I was doing that, I noticed that a lot of my customers on the secondary market were consultants with MBAs, and they didn't seem that much smarter than me, but they were making a lot more money. And so I decided, hey, I think I'm going to go get one of those MBAs. And so I ended up going to Columbia University in New York City, and the whole time growing up in the suburbs of Houston, I had always wanted to go to New York, so it was really a dream come true. Um, And I did my degree there, which was great, and it opened a ton of doors for me. And my job after graduation was with McKinsey and Company doing management consulting, and they were opening an office in Austin. And so for personal reasons, I needed to be back in Texas, and I was super excited to move to Austin, as I'm sure you were when you moved to Austin years ago. Um, And I was with McKinsey for a couple of years there, and then I was doing consulting for myself. And a longtime dear friend who is also a rock climber, which I am not, 
lives <laughs> here in Colorado in Boulder because she climbs and she lured me to Colorado. She said, you know, your clients are all over. You just need to be near an airport. Why wouldn't you want to live near the mountains? And I moved out here 16 years ago and I just, I fell in love with Colorado. A month after I moved here, I met Chris, my husband, man, who's now my husband. I fell in love with him. And, uh, I ended up going inside to work for a client in the tech industry. So I was working in technology, but when Chris and I got married and, um, like I said, I couldn't find the caramels I wanted and I loved food. Like I always joke, everybody who breathes air has thumbs and has watched the Food Network wants to work in food. It's very primal <laughs> to who we all are. I really wanted to work in food, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my husband said, you know, why don't you see if people will buy those caramels you make? People like them, but see if they'll actually pay for them. Because we always joke that market research is one thing, but unless people are putting the money down, yeah. It's not really market research. And so I tested the idea for a year and figured out a brand and packaging and all the stuff in a kitchen and all the stuff you have to do with food. And Helly Mays Caramels was born. And like you said, we, we have uh, the name Helly Mays because we have an old fashioned sensibility, kind of like Ellie May, but we're more hell on wheels. So we're <laughs> Helly Mays. I, um, love it. I have uh, five employees. And the thing that's been kind of unexpected to me is what I love about Helly Mays is so much more than the culinary. Like I'm not the person who's made caramels in years. I have employees that do that and I love the product, but what I really love is recruiting and hiring and training and developing rock star employees who are even more marketable when they go out in the world than they were when they that's came right. in. So, and that's, that's why I feel like I wanted to talk to you because I know that developing women in business is a big passion of yours. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting that we say that I um. So I've only had my company now only. Right. Um, but I've had my company for six years and we are a small team of five. And I tell people all the time, um, you know, people don't understand what it's like to be a small business owner until you make payroll every two weeks. It's a reminder of like, did you hit your sales? Right. Because if your company is successful, it's because of you. If your company fails, it's because of you. And so I find it fascinating that, you know, the staff that we have had over the years now, they work at ABC News, NBC, and it just, I tell my staff all the time, and as I'm sure you do, like, I don't want you to be here forever. I want you to get skills and learn how to be your own entrepreneur one day because nobody should dictate, even myself, what your, the value is of your work. Like, you should know the value of your work. And so... I'm so pumped to hear that you have the same mindset of encouraging and amplifying young adults and teaching them the skills. So um, let's go into this box because I, yes. I want to talk about some of the titles that you have for the chocolates or the, the caramels. Okay, Holly Mays. Hi, Jacqueline. Hope you enjoy the caramels. So happy to reconnect with you, Dane Tree. Okay, so Dane Tree, I worked with her um, years ago when I was at the Austin Chronicle. And I was selling classified ads, but you know, at the time I'm like, I'm in the advertising department and you're like, no, you sell classified ads. Um, but I had to do what I had to do, right. To hype up my resume, the whole thing. So anyhow, we all, we all start somewhere. We all start somewhere. Okay. You have, okay. Let's talk about this one because I'm from Texas as are you ma'am. And this one's called the whiskey love. Should I wait? So the as the last one, since it's whiskey, it's booze, right? Oh yeah. No, it's it's not that much booze. So you're oh, you're okay. safe. You can have it in the morning and you can have it first. Yeah. Whiskey love bomb. It's made with 
Stranahan's whiskey, which is produced right here in Colorado. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Steen's cane syrup from Louisiana, which is kind of like molasses's mellower cousin. And then a bourbon barrel smoked sea salt from Kentucky. So it oh, is a God. big old smoky Southern love bomb by the way of the Rocky Mountains. Oh my gosh. Okay. So look, y'all, this package right here, because we're going to put it up on our web because we want to promote small businesses, especially female entrepreneurs for the holiday season, because I think it's important for people to know that not only are you a small business owner, but you're also sharing the, the seat with the whiskey owner, the, hold on, Colorado whiskey. You're sharing the spotlight with a few folks for your product. And yep. I, I love all of that. So there's sea salt caramels. That's the most popular. Okay. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna save that one. There's vanilla vanilla. That is the only caramel we make that has no salt in it at all. It's <gasps> just like it says, is vanilla. That's what it is. <laughs> vanilla vanilla. That's why you called it vanilla. Got it. Uh, espresso caramels. I love it. And harvest apple cider caramels. Oh. All right. This is first off, I love your packaging that it's not like crazy because I don't think people understand if your product is good, your packaging doesn't have to be like super uber crazy and fancy. All right. So we're going to try the sea salt caramel. Nice little bite size, y'all. Um, and of course, I'm going to share with my staff because I try to be nice. Well, they're seeing you eat them. So you're not going to have much of a choice at this mm -hmm. point. They know they're in the building. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm glad you like it. It's it's robust and it's full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's got that complexity. Caramelized sugar has those notes of not just sugar, but also smoke and tobacco and vanilla and whiskey, just from the complexity of the caramelization. And then you get the creamy, smooth texture. Mm. It's just, it's such a good, it's like a classic combination, but amped up a little bit. And then the salt throws it all into high relief. I love it. Now, Talk to me as I'm about to like throw it down on this whiskey love bomb. One of the cards says the limited edition seasonal caramels. Talk to because it's literally from January to February, you have a passion fruit. Mm -hmm. March to April, you got salty peanut butter. April to May, you have jasmine tea. August to October, of course, fall season, harvest apple cider. And then November to December, candy cane. Can you talk about that? And also talk to me a little bit about where you're at where the stores are, if oh, it's online, for sure. where your partners are. Yeah, for sure. So um, we have five flavors we make year round. The sea salt, the whiskey love bomb, espresso, vanilla, vanilla, and then also one called chili palmer. Um, oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> it's chili and cinnamon um, named after one of my favorite characters in a book or a movie. Um, and those are all year round. And then, like you said, we have those five seasonal flavors that are geared to the holidays. So if you think about Valentine's Day, what better for Valentine's Day than a fruit named after passion? Um, and so it's got that tart tropical flavor and it's rounded out with a little vanilla. Um, and so those are available for a limited time. You can always get all of our products on our website, which is just saltcaramels.com. And I will tell you, because I'm from Texas, I say salt caramels, but it's actually spelled salt caramels, just for Caram what it's worth. Got it, and got then it. Um, we're in stores in 30 states right now. We're not anywhere on Staten Island or in Manhattan or any I of the mean, boroughs I mean, yet. You know, I think I we'll know a couple of businesses or two. So you can come over. Yes. Do a little pop-up thing. See what happens. I would love that. But in Connecticut, we're at Hollis Farm Market. And we're also at um, a cook, cooking supply, high-end cooking goods store called Cook Shop Plus. So if you're in Connecticut, those are two places that they just got fresh caramels in the last couple of weeks, which is great. Right. 
I love it. Now let's talk because now that my first off that whiskey but love bomb, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. I'm gonna save these because it's my husband and I. It's our wedding anniversary, and we're finally going away this weekend. But don't get too crazy. We're going to Brooklyn. We're just going across the bridge. <laughs> you going for we, dinner? <laughs> we're gonna take a full a full 24 hours of just bowling, drinking beer, having pizza, like figuring out. Um, but I have, we have a, a 20 month old, so we don't want to go too, too far. So we figure we'll go across the bridge, um, but he's a big caramel lover. So I'm going to be bringing this with him. Um, but let's talk about the business of business, because yes. I think a lot of people just assume, oh, you could start a business. And I tell people all the time, yeah, sure. You can start a business, but if you don't have a game plan in place, if you don't have, a sales leads if you don't have attraction then it's just a hobby and so what i want to talk a little bit more about is how did you grow your business were you nervous to take out business loans were you nervous to take out lines of credit um because you know one of the things that i talk about on some of my other panels and podcasts that women of color are four times less likely to take out a business loan, a line of credit, um, just because of everything from financial literacy, but also for myself speaking, um, growing up, my mother was like, if you don't have money, you do not take out a credit card. So I didn't get my first credit card till I was like 27. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And it was like $250 limit because I was too scared. I was like, just a little limit. Like, and so I think it's always important to hear from other entrepreneurs. How did they grow their business um, and scale it appropriately? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. So first of all, I just have to say I can really relate to that story. Even though I am not a woman of color, this is very white. I grew up with a divorced mom who sold furniture at Sears. Money was always tight. Yeah. And um, I didn't have exposure to people who taught me things like, yeah, if you have a loan and you go into default with the bank, you're the bank's problem. You're, you're, it's your problem. But if your loan is big enough, you're the bank's problem. Like I never understood any of that. And yeah. to me, $250 was a lot of money. And I do think this, I see this a lot, especially when I'm talking to newer women entrepreneurs who want to go into either the food space or even just the maker space more broadly yeah. defined. You know, the idea of paying $1,000 for packaging can be terrifying because it oh, yeah. seems like a lot of money. And then, you know, coming back to what you talked about with financial literacy, have you filled out an SBA loan application? It's like 40 pages long. It's the same thing with the city contracts. It's 90 pages long. And I did it and I got my certificate, but, you know. But you could see how it would be intimidating, right? And... um. So I have always been upfront about this one aspect about Helly Mays that was the thing that allowed me to take the jump and do it full time when I decided to take it from being a hobby. It was because, and this was pre-Affordable Care Act, I had a spouse with an income yeah. and health insurance. Yeah. And so that base meant that we were not going to lose our house. We were not going to lose our retirement savings if I messed up. Not to say that's the only way to do it. I'm just saying I, I had an easier path because I had access to that. And I waited until I had that before I made the leap. So, you know, that's, I like to be upfront about that. Yeah, but. no, I, I think, and I tell people all the time, if I would have started my business 10 years ago, a decade before I met my husband, I don't think that I would be I would always be an entrepreneur, but I think my track and my journey would be different. 
Same thing. My husband is a local three electrician. So I knew that we wouldn't have to worry about food or the light bill being paid or my medical health care being removed. So I was like, okay. When I started my company, I was like, I, well, first I was a freelancer. I was like, okay, I just need, I think my, my fee that I gave myself, I was like, I just need like $1,200 a month, just enough to help pay for like the car and the insurance. And then within a week I hit that number and I was like, oh, well maybe if I doubled it and then tripled it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. And so I'm also in that same boat where I had that foundation afterwards of that safety net of you're not going to starve you will be okay you know your your home will not be removed from you so i totally totally get it but i don't know i i think that you that doesn't mean you don't take it seriously because for me like i have employees who are depending on me my longest running employee has been with me almost since the beginning of the business and during her time with me she has bought her first house she has had her first kiddo um, there's a lot of stuff I can't do for her, but I can provide extreme flexibility around her schedule so that she can spend more time with her kiddo. Um, because, you know, it was a while before she was ready to put him in daycare and it was right about then that COVID hit. And she said, oh, hell no, I'm not putting him in daycare right now. I'm <laughs> not comfortable crazy. with that. And I said, yeah. you know, we'll figure it out. And we have. And so I do take it seriously because she and the other people that work at Helly Mays are not just depending on me for a paycheck every two weeks. They're depending on me for that longevity that we're going to be here and deliver in the future. Um, But I will come back to and say, like you, I like to really make sure that people are prepared to be in as good a position as possible when they leave Helly Maze, whatever that is. You know, one of the things that, again, if you don't grow up in a like sophisticated, well-to-do environment, you may never ever heard anybody tell you before that labor is a market. And so the more valuable you are on the market, the better the price, the conditions, all of that, that you can command. Because a lot of times people who haven't grown up and be ex- being exposed to that, think about a job interview as like an audition. What's well, a yeah. two-way street? Yeah. The employer <laughs> needs to be talking to you about what they're going to be doing for you too. And so, um, that's a big part of why I get up and drive sales at Helly Mays every day is so that we can have, and it's a big part of why I'm ensured we have a healthy gross margin so that I can yeah. cover my fixed expenses and we can be here for the long term. It's really popular to talk about sustainability in business. Well, to me, the yeah. ultimate sustainability is paying your bills and sticking around. That's right. It's, let's talk about, so two last things I want to ask. Um, Where do you see Hallie Mays in five and 10 years? So in five years, I have a very specific revenue goal I want us to hit. And um, all of the stuff that scaffolds up to that. So how many stores, how many private clients, because we have multiple streams of revenue. There's one thing that COVID taught all of us. It's having all your eggs in one basket. Doesn't work. Not good. So I have very specific goals I want to hit. In 10 years, I'll be looking towards retirement. And so when I think about what I want to leave behind. And I don't want to sound that grandiose, but part of it is the skills and the training all these young people have taken out in the world. But part of it is I would like to see my employees buy Helly Mays for me under terms that work for them and work for me so that they can have something that they can grow and then pass on to their, their children. And then you have this, you know, this going concern that helps create wealth across the years. This generational wealth that may not necessarily include your own children, yeah, because I think people also look at generational wealth as just 
in their households with their families, but generational wealth can also include your staff that are essentially like your family. So I love that. Um, Ellen, let me ask you this, because I, I always ask everyone at the end of our podcast and panel, what do you define as success? And so for me, I always tell the story at the end. For me growing up, the term success meant that you could go into a grocery store and buy three, $400 worth of groceries and not worry about the light bill or, oh my gosh, mom, do we have money for the water bill? Those kinds of things. Now my term success is really about the impact within my community because that's going to carry on for generations after generations. So what do you define as success? So my definition of success is not quite as ambitious as yours. And I find yours inspiring. Um, back in my 20s, my definition of success would have been completely professionally driven. Now that I'm no longer in my 20s, it's more holistic. And so for me, it's about doing well by doing the right thing. And so being happy in all aspects of my life, whether it's my personal life, my family life, my intellectual life, my work life, um, and, and feeling happy with that in all respects. And professional achievement and financial part of that is just like one part. And I know it's such a cliche because when you hear people as they get older and start thinking about retirement, they start thinking that way. It's for a reason because it's what yeah. really matters. I I love that because I would say my emotional, mental journey, I'm, I'm a newbie in, in like really being awakened to my senses and things happening around me for the past three months. And it is such a true emotional and mental shift when everything is aligned properly, your mind, body, spirit, and soul, everything just works out well. So I love that that's your, your definition of success. Um, so for those of you that are listening, stay tuned for more information. Um, we will drop everything down below about Helen Mays, um, saltcaramels.com. We're going to put all the information in the links below and make sure that you follow JMT Media Podcast, where we interview all the most exciting women all across the United States. Thank you so much, Ellen, and have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon, hun. Thank you. You too, Jacqueline. So much fun.